0: section 4 of notes of an east coast naturalist by arthur henry patterson this librivox recording is in the public domain bird notes part 4 the common scoter in severe winters considerable numbers of common scoters edemia nigra may be observed frequenting the roadstead north of the britannia pier sometimes in a long straggling line a large flock is seen bobbing upon the waves drifting with the tide sleeping feeding or preening as the case may be occasionally joining up in flight winging northwards for a mile or more and settling again to drift townwards and rarely inshore until the hopeful gunner is half tempted to draw bead upon them it is an exceeding rare circumstance for one to be caught napping odd birds taking to Braden are now and again shot in snowy weather the bottom sandy and shifting as it is has in places beds of mollusks for which these birds remain in the neighbourhood in one place nearly a mile of mussel ground is known and in places notably in the ham at galston a large area is frequented by the radiated trough shell mactra stultorum the mussel referred to is modiola modiolus locally known as the horse mussel during a short spell of calm weather early in the eighties a gunner carted his gun punt across the town from Braden and launched forth from the beach to try his hand at a shot at the scoters after some manoeuvring he managed to get within shot of the crowd they however appeared a trifle too sharp for him and dive safely out of harm at the very clink of the hammer but two velvet scoters edemia fusca not so wary fell to the discharge and were secured the scared scoters allowed him to take no further liberties it is curious that the velvet scoter occasionally mixes with the commoner species and in their company too the long-tailed duck haralda glacialis usually immature is sometimes seen driven southwards also by the severity of the weather a velvet scoter entangled itself in a herring net in october eighteen ninety three fishermen sportsmen in the palmier days of the trawl fishing at yarmouth when so many little masters the skipper occasionally being owner himself owned a fishing smack and short voyages known as single boating in contradistinction to those which sailed in fleets and kept afloat for weeks were taken many a skipper carried his gun to sea with him on the chances of having a little sport. When the gun licence and close season became more burdensome, the practice was gradually discontinued. Not a few interesting birds in this way came into the hands of local dealers. In January 1881, during severe weather, a smack master got well in amongst a number of glaucous gulls larus glaucus securing no less than twenty seven these were thrown on the ice and kept fresh enough until his arrival in port an amusing circumstance is attached to the disposal of the dead gulls two local dealers in natural objects boarded the boat together one going below the other remaining on deck IT WOULD BE unnatural TO SUPPOSE THAT HE WHO WAS IN THE HOLD CHOOSING THE BIRDS HE WISHED FOR PICKED THE LEAST VALUABLE SPECIMENS. THEREFORE THE MOST MATURE EXAMPLES WERE HANDED UP TO THE DECK WHERE HE SUPPOSED THEY WOULD BECOME HIS. BUT TO HIS AMAZEMENT HE WHO HAD REMAINED ON DECK WAS IN LAWFUL POSSESSION OF THEM. Having paid the skipper ere his rival below could come up to claim them. These fishermen sportsmen sometimes took a big curly coated retriever to sea with them, finding the animal useful in recovering wounded and dead birds, which included such species as Fulmar petrels, skuas, various ducks, and the like an immature gannet in the peculiarly spotted plumage of youth was always a desideratum the fishermen even on occasion going to the expense of its preservation as an ornament for their parlors in several houses today old rusty muzzle loaders are to be found hanging up over the mantelpiece valued heirlooms although useless and obsolete Another amusement used to be the capturing of live gulls by means of twirling astern a long tarry cord. The birds, tamely hovering around in the wake of the vessel, would become entangled by their flight feathers in the string when they were dragged aboard. I once saw a number of kittiwakes taken in this manner. Up to the middle of the seventies, the storm petrel was a well-recognised annual visitor to the neighbourhood up till that time the herrings which were then caught by the now obsolete three-mast luggers were landed on the beach in huge unwieldy boats known as ferriers the luggers remaining at anchor in the roadstead much offal was thrown overboard as it did not then pay to bring it ashore to be sold as manure and not a few swills of prime herrings would be spilled overboard too in rough weather this circumstance offered a great attraction for the inshoring of many species of fish and of seabirds amongst them came the skewers and the storm petrels it was usual for the carriers to trail soft rows or milts of herrings behind by means of string at these the hungry birds would swoop to be knocked down by long osier wands carried for the purpose it was probably a love of sport rather than the poultry tuppence offered per bird by the local game dealers which induce the men to thus encompass the destruction of the unfortunate birds Today the herrings are landed a mile up river at fish wharf the offal is put ashore too as a profitable extra and although gulls in some numbers muster up yearly for a share of the spoil the storm petrel is only a casual visitor unless driven hither exceptionally bad weather when as mentioned by booth in his rough notes during the continuance of a most severe easterly gale in november eighteen seventy two hundreds were seen off the harbour mouth the gale began on the eleventh on the eighteenth the sea had become as smooth as glass and mr booth steamed in a tug through many hundreds fast asleep on the water on the 20th they had nearly all disappeared foraging rooks crows and gulls there is constantly a certain amount of animal matter to be found floating in rivers polluted by sewerage matter besides the sundry insects and small creatures blown or tumbled into them by accident while from the town drains kitchen fragments are washed down sinks and gullies to the streams this flotsam is ever a temptation to numerous gulls which in certain localities assemble to pick up such unconsidered trifles the entrance of Braden estuary has been a happy hunting ground from time immemorial here are to be seen congregated at times numerous black-headed gulls common gulls and larger species the grey immature of the herring and saddle-back gulls in particular the flood-tide draws the birds together and great is the commotion if some wasteful mariner tired of mouldy or stale ship has thrown overboard some to him obnoxious loaves in a constant mazy flight squealing and squabbling the birds work to and fro now gleaning singly as some toothsome bit catches the sharp wandering eye and now clustering in a noisy quarrelsome group as some larger edible attracts the notice of several simultaneously the smaller particles are snatched up as neatly as swallows catch at passing insects the end of the mandibles and the ends of the toes scarce touching the water ere the bird has bevelled itself upwards again as it were by the force of the impetus that brought it down a heavy or brittle substance such as a large bit of bread makes diversion by its breaking and falling to be snatched at again probably by a trio or half a dozen rivals sometimes a bird settles upon the water and feeds upon its bind as the tide floats them along together in amongst the gulls on similar intent may be seen rooks whose methods are slightly different for they are more fearful of an immersion petty quarrels are often struck up a wing between the corvine gleaners and the gulls on the seventeenth of november nineteen o one just off the half-mile point on braden some five hundred black-headed gulls were fishing along the tide-line a perceptible dividing line between the uprunning stream and an eddy caused by a projecting wall they were vivaciously hunting in their light airy frolicsome manner amongst them were several hooded crows dipping and wheeling and exactly mimicking their web-footed companions than whom however they tired more quickly And so retired every now and again for a few minutes rest on a mud flat across the channel. It was pretty to see the gulls trotting, as it were, now and again upon the surface, scarcely dipping their toes, while the heavier crows, with big feet hanging helplessly, dipped them, so to speak, ankle deep and needed a more spasmodic and laborious effort to rise than their lighter pinioned companions a quantity of refuse bread fragments of fish from some scotch boats moored in the river and other like flotsam afforded the birds a goodly repast there was a long dry spell in the summer of eighteen ninety three the birds depending upon ground grubs worms and the like fared badly the rooks in particular being in a sorry plight early one morning when rambling about the north deans i saw a rook unusually busy and exceedingly erratic in its movements to get a closer view i cut down a large bunch of prickly comfrey growing near by and spreading the leaves as a fan-shaped screen before me "'managed to crawl within a short distance of the unsuspecting bird. "'From behind a furze bush that I managed to reach unobserved, "'I had a good look at him. "'A number of grasshoppers skipped merrily around me, "'and I found it was in quest of this very insect the rook had come. "'I could not only quite easily observe him snatch at and capture the grasshoppers,' A lively performance in all conscience but i could also see that a portion of his bill had been shot away this seemed not in the least to inconvenience him i could almost imagine there was a gleam of satisfaction in his beady eye at falling in luck's way and in having a feast all to himself the gathering together of a large number of birds of the same species where suitable food has unexpectedly and abundantly turned up convinces me that not only do individual birds possess remarkably keen sight, but that a means of communication exists among them. A rough easterly sea had thrown onto the north beach a quantity of live razor shells solar ensis the gathering of gulls that mustered as soon as the coast was clear afforded a lively and interesting sight so long as the supply lasted they did not disperse there was to be seen for many years the wreck of a steamboat nearly opposite the north battery this was covered with a mass of sea anemones and other marine creatures certain tides of unusual strength occasionally washed off a number of these hangers-on and the gulls herring gulls in particular would at low water and at the early part of the tide muster in some numbers and glean up whatever edible came to hand the herons frequenting Braden spend much of their time watching for and capturing eels the patience with which they will stand rigid and motionless for many minutes together is as remarkable as their celerity and accuracy of aim in striking and seizing an eel unfortunate enough to come within reach a heron on one occasion struck and secured an eel not far short of a pound and a half in weight which would be somewhat thicker than a broom handle he had a regular tussle with it and might eventually have mastered and devoured it had not two hooded crows attacked him making him drop it upon the mud-flat when they descended with the intention of appropriating it for themselves they had already disembowelled it when a Bradener rowed up and landed putting them to flight the old man picked up the hapless eel took it to his houseboat and cooked it for his dinner he chuckles to this day when relating how the heron obliged him by catching a fine eel for him some swan notes the various species of wild swans usually visit us in very hard winters. Occasionally so many have been seen as to mark the year as a swan year. In other winters not a swan is seen. During a very sharp and protracted frost in January 1879 I counted in two flocks fifty-three hoopers cygnus musicus they were wheeling in an unsettled and distrustful way around Braden, far above gunshot to the annoyance of quite a regiment of punt and shore-gunners who were hiding and skulking eager for a shot not one was killed in march odd birds and small flocks are occasionally observed passing northward the note of this bird as i have heard it seems to me to resemble a very bad imitation of the curlews as far as i have been able to note the appearances of swans the buick swan cygnus buwicki, occurs more frequently although not in such large flocks certain seasons have seen on the poulterer's stalls only birds of this species mr booth author of the catalogue of birds speaks of having seen at one time between fifty and sixty flying in company over hickling broad in october 1881 the late john thomas punt gunner bagged three swans to a shot from his swivel gun and two others immediately after to a shoulder gun they were swimming about tamely and unconcernedly on Braden, delighted with his prowess johnny made haste for home where on hooks outside the shop window they were soon seen hanging and in front of the shop the gunner proudly paraded On calling his attention to the fact that they were tame escaped birds, he hastily pulled them down and disappeared inside with them. In the old days, when the allotments were yet a watery waste, swans dropped in and were stalked from behind a borrowed horse or donkey, several of which were usually to be found feeding upon the higher portions of this marshy waste. On the 25th of October 1890, I saw three Polish swans, Cygnus immutabilis, hanging on Durrant's stall in the market. Reporting the same to Mr. T. Southwell, Fellow of the Zoological Society, he wrote, Did you notice the colour of the feet? I immediately obtained leave to cut off a bit of one bird's foot and my knife slipping with malice aforethought i managed to take pretty well a whole foot off at once the pale greenish line down each claw of the foot had attracted my attention to the birds mr southwell's reply is conclusive as to the certainty of this swan's claim to distinction as a species thanks for your letter of the thirty-first of october and for the enclosures but i fear you will get into trouble with durrant i am nevertheless glad to get the bird's toes i quite forgot whether i thanked you for the coloured drawing of the swan's head it appears to me very characteristic and the foot is no more like the colour of cygnus olor than it is like a duck's I have met with the polish swan on more than one occasion trapping extraordinary during several mild days in january eighteen eighty three golden plovers and lapwings congregated on the marshes in some numbers where their wariness gained them immunity from mishap at the hands of the gunning fraternity but some boys becoming conversant with the favourite resorts of these birds, fixed a number of small falls thereabouts, with the result that a considerable capture was made. A row of these broken-legged plovers attracted my attention as they hung on Durrant's stall, where I was informed of the trick successfully carried out by the urchins. Prior to the sixties, when ringed plovers were more abundant on the then less frequented north beach bird-lime sticks were placed around a nest in a triangular fashion to these the old birds became easily fastened and were at once secured at that period during long droughts the rooks used to frequent the allotments which were never without puddles or polk holes pieces of brown paper were made into cones like sugar bags and holes being made in the turf these bags were inserted the inside having been smeared with birdlime and a few grains of corn dropped in the trapper hid himself the hungry rooks glad enough to find something that promised a wholesome meal eagerly dipped into the cones to get at the corn when an attempted withdrawal of the beak brought the paper hood up with it the terrified birds would fly straight into the air but being blinded soon came to grief occasionally they would strike the ground with sufficient force to stun themselves and so become an easy capture on one occasion a gunner named her was out shooting at the harbour mouth when he espied a glaucus gull which persistently kept out of gunshot having a ball of string in his pocket he proceeded to make a hake as follows picking up a stranded herring he cut it down the back like a kipper and removed the backbone and entrails filling the space thus made with a piece of cork float which with herrings are usually to be found in that locality in the fishing season having closed the fish and roughly fastened it together he attached a piece of string weighted at the end with a stone another and longer cord was attached thereto to be held by the hand a couple of fish hooks were then fastened to the fish and the bait slung out just beyond the breakers her running to hide behind some fish baskets stranded on the beach the glaucous gull espying the herring swooped down upon it when one hook instead of fastening into the throat of the bird caught it by the nostrils and it was easily hauled ashore and secured hakes were not rare traps at that period more recently a countryman at tunstall who has successfully tried some remarkable experiments in capturing stoats otters coots jackdaws and other creatures alive Caught a number of rooks he stated they boldly entered his hencoops to steal eggs which they carried away in their feet so he declared he consequently baited the hencoops with maize to the shortly enjoyed delight of the depredators who reached the maize by squeezing in below through an aperture left for their ingress when the man deemed the coops sufficiently tenanted he hurriedly showed himself the birds naturally alarmed forgot the only way of escape below and poking their heads excitedly out through the higher apertures became an easy prey at one time the man avows he took ten rooks in one coop in january 1891 i saw a common snipe with both legs broken hanging on a poulterer's stall on inquiry i found that a country lad who was more than half a poacher had watched this species and observing its frequent footprints in a moist corner set for it a steel fall with an unlucky result to one bird at least he similarly watched the woodcock and in this way trapped one but a cat was before him and on going to examine his traps he found only the bird's legs a number of lapwings frequented a marsh up the north river in november eighteen ninety three and advantage was taken of this by some lads who set rat traps in order to catch them While the eager gunners could not get within range of them, the boys filled their handkerchiefs with game. Several of the victims, injured in one or both legs, were brought to market for sale, where I examined them. In the winter of 1901, I noticed unusual numbers of blackbirds in the market. Now, this sable fellow is known to be good eating especially in the depth of winter when no matter how severe the weather he is always fat and in good condition big bunches are taken from the stalls by lovers of this small game long before the moorhens and lapwings brought to market by market gardener sportsmen who seldom aim at providing more distinguished game birds i made inquiries and found that in certain villages old herring nets had been placed above the raspberry canes and blackbirds were attracted beneath them by rotten apples strewn about as bait when disturbed the frightened birds instead of flying away in a horizontal direction excitedly flew upwards becoming sadly entangled in the meshes of the nets and were easily captured end of section 4